Coming up on Golf Today, round one of the WM Phoenix Open underway. Let the party begin. Jordan Spieth is on the course making birdies. Xander Hovland, defending champ Kepka. Highlights are coming your way. And how about two past champ chats for the price of one? We have our own Paul Azinger in hour one, Hunter Mahan in hour two. We'll quiz them on their victories as well. And a preview of Super Bowl 56 coming your way. Rams and Bengals on your mind and Catherine Tappen on your screen. Talking about the very big game, golf and football. Is this heaven? Nah, it's golf today in Phoenix, Arizona. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. In the middle of a party, a golf tournament has broken out in the Arizona desert. People of all ages streaming onto TPC Scottsdale looking for a place to hang, a player to watch, a libation, a distraction, and maybe all of the above. A super strong field has arrived at the WM Phoenix opening golf channel. So pleased to bring you all of the action all week long. Look at the people. Look at the sunshine. The warmest day of the week. So far, we'll probably hit 80 plus degrees. Damon Hack alongside Rex Hodder, senior writer, Golf Channel. We walked up these stairs just a few minutes ago and we heard some boos and cheers before we even sat down. Alrighty. A libation? You said A libation. I was right. trying to be, you know, conservative on Chris, that. It is early in the morning. <laughs> Let's pace yourself. You make sure. Uh, actually, I got here when the first group came through and Matthew Naismith hit the first shot of the day, hit it to under two feet. Crowd went nuts. You got an idea of what this is going to be like. This hole is called a lot of different things. Today, I'm going to go with 154 yards of loudness. It's going to be so fun. Three of the top four players in the world. Six of the top ten. It is a fantastic field. And like I said, we have highlights already. Jordan Spieth, runner-up last week at Pebble. T4 here last year. And thankfully, this is a much flatter golf course than we saw last week at Pebble. Much flatter, much safer. We're not going to have any issues with cliffs this week. Let's just deal with putting. Yeah, how about a bunker shot? His third on the 13th of par five. Go ahead and two putt for par. Now this is Jordan just a few moments ago at 16. We watched this, listen to the crowd. They say it all, it's a beautiful shot. Oh, this is a place where this golf hole is as big a star as any of the players. But when you combine a three-time major champ hitting a shot like that, the crowd absolutely loves that. It's gonna have a birdie putt coming up right here. Give them what they want, Jordo. Give them what they want, and if you don't give them to them, you're going to hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, shots that just miss the green or are in the bunker are roundly booed. Here's Victor Hava now playing from the rough. Man. Take advantage of these par fives, Rex. What's interesting is we're here in the middle of this craziness. As you get out on the golf course, it, there is a golf tournament that breaks out. Absolutely. 21 feet for birdie. The man who has three wins in his last five starts around the world. This is Xander Shoffley, smooth third from just off the green. I think he's your pick this week, is he not? I considered him. I went with Justin Thomas okay. in my one and done. It came down to Shoffley, who was in the mix, was a co-leader through 54 holes last year. Now, this is the 15th hole, the par five. Gotta love the finish here. We're gonna talk about the finish in just a little bit as well. Too bad you didn't pick him because look how beautiful this shot is. And you're right, it's a great closing stretch. It's not an oh. overly difficult closing stretch, but it's entertaining. Chip in for Eagle. Got Xander to minus two at that point. Let's take a look at this group. You see Victor Hovland currently over par. Jordan Spieth one under T11. And I mentioned Xander Shoffley, both Spieth and 
uh, Xander Shoffley. They were the co-leaders through 54 holes last year. Then Brooks Kepka went on to win for the second time here at the WM Phoenix Open. Your thoughts on what we've seen so far? Birdies typically available, 19 under par, one here last year, 17 under par the two previous years. So right now there's you know a little bit of wind, but not much. The, the course is gettable. I was curious. I looked statistically. The back nine here plays a little bit harder than the front nine. So I think anybody who can get off to a good start, like you just saw Xander Jordan, certainly any of these guys, Brooks Kepka, who we're going to talk about in a moment, they're all, all off to good starts on the back nine, and that's just going to create momentum for the front nine where you can turn it around. Now, I had an opportunity to talk with some players yesterday, and it is interesting. You talked about how hot it is. The ball's flying a long way. But one player, Lucas Glover, told me it's as firm as he has ever seen these greens. There is going to be some challenge to that. How about Jordan Spieth being a fan favorite here? He's a fan favorite everywhere. But last year when he made that big push, shot that 61 on Saturday, we didn't have the normal amount of fans here. Already we can see the, the lion's share of folks on property. I mean, they're going to be watching every move he makes this week. I think 5,000 was the limit a day last year. Right. We've already got more than 5,000 in these stands right now. And I think most guys feed off of it. I mean, we're going to, again, talk about Brooks in a moment and how much he enjoys that. But I think every player likes it. I mean, there's times probably on this hole when you get booed or jeered or hear something that you don't want to hear. But other than that, it just gets you fired up. It gets you excited to go out and play golf and all of them want to perform. Yeah, what do the players tell you about the differences between this week and other weeks on the PGA Tour? Because you can't walk here and be upset if you hear things that you wouldn't hear week to week on the PGA Tour. Asked a bunch of players that this week. I mean, what's the worst thing you've ever heard? And I didn't get any good answers. I was trying to write a story. You know how difficult that can be when you don't get good answers. But that tells me that a couple things. One, you generally try not to pay attention to what's going on outside the ropes. And two, you do enjoy it. I think there was a time probably a decade or so ago when most of the top players didn't want to do this because they didn't want to subject themselves to things that you don't get at other golf tournaments. You just pointed out how good the field is. Yeah. All these guys, the younger generation, they absolutely love this arena. Anybody you're watching this week in particular? I've mentioned my Justin Thomas is my one-and-done pick for the week. Who, who are you looking at this week and why? Super Bowl week. Patty Ice, give me some Patrick Cantlay. I just love the way he's playing right now. He, he played well at the American Express. He played well last week at, at uh, Pebble Beach. I just think if he has a decent putting week, he can make some noise. Another player we should definitely pay attention to, of course, is the defending champion, Brooks Kepka. He is on the field, on the course right now. Let's look at last Last year, though, we didn't talk about Brooks for almost, I would say, 99% of this golf tournament. Then he arrived to the 17th, the par four from 32 yards away. We talked about the better short par four in golf. This or the 10 at Riviera, that changed my mind. Just how big of a swing that was late in the round. And what does it tell you that this is a player who has eight PGA Tour wins and two of them are here? likes the golf course. We see that a lot in players, but we touched on it. I mean, look, he loves to be the man in the arena. He loves to hear it, good and bad. He talked about it yesterday. I like to hear the boos as much as I like to hear the cheers. Yeah, and that, of course, his last win on the PGA Tour one year ago. So this is earlier today. Brooks Kepka getting his day started on the par four tenthle. That's always a good sign when he starts making putts. We know how good of a ball striker he is, but when he starts making putts, that's huge. Quickly gets to one under now the par three. 12th though this hole not talked about as much as 16. It is not talked about as much but I actually had players tell me yesterday that the 11th and 12th are probably the most difficult tee shots on the golf course because of the noise and degree of difficulty of the actual shot. Yeah he would go on to make bogey from there and fall back to even par. We talked so much about the par fives here though the 13th hole one of those places where the players have to take advantage. And this is a great example of where he's at in his game right now. He talked yesterday about how much comfort he has in those new irons that are in the bag. Whether or not the driver comes around, we're going to have to wait and see. But when it comes to the long irons especially, 
shots like that. Yeah, he's going in two putt birdie from there. I also want to see about his health long term. He says he's as healthy as he has been in some time, Rex. Certainly, we watched him play 16 earlier this morning. He certainly is moving much better than what we saw last year, and he certainly looks comfortable and calm on this golf course. Yeah, it's the par four 15th. Going two putt from there. How about Gary Woodland? major champ here at the par 410. I asked him the other night about that moment he had on the 16th hole a few years ago. He has such good vibes on this golf course. Yeah, we all remember the great moment between himself and Amy Bockerstead a couple of years ago. This is the 13th hole. Gary Willen here. It's good to see you. He's also dealt with some injury issues in the past couple of years. He did. He had some injury issues last year, and I think he had some swing issues. And he feels like he's kind of in between, but he's getting more and more comfortable every day. Again, talked to him earlier this week, and as he points out, he loves this golf course. Absolutely. And look at the conditions out here. As I mentioned, you know, maybe here at 16, the flag's kind of lightly whipping, but right now, conditions are absolutely ripe for scoring. I don't know if it's golf in a dome, but it's close. Let's call it golf in a tent. Absolutely. Here's a PGA True winner, Abe Answer broke through got to be thinking about making another appearance at the President's Cup in 2022. Trevor Emmerman a few weeks ago was watching him at the American Express and he's going to be a huge part of that international team. All right let's take a look at uh, the Brooks Kepka grouping I think we'll call it given that uh, respect as a two-time champ here he's a co-leader now at three under Gary Woodland at two under you see Abraham answer at one under par in the early going they are through eight holes and we said we're going to talk a lot about Brooks Kepka and one reason something he said yesterday I thought was very very striking he said that he treats this tournament almost almost like a major championship I mean I don't feel like my mindset's any different here but I think the amount of people is probably equivalent to a major um, I've done pretty well in New York where the fans will get on you if you're not doing doing it right um, I've been on the bad side of that. I've been on the good side of that. You know, when I basically tried to give away the back nine at Bethpage, um, you know, everybody chanted DJ, so they were on me there. And, and it's like out of here. You had a bad shot, they're going to get on you. I mean, it kind of refocuses you. Um, I enjoy that that atmosphere that you get in other, other sports, football, where it's a little rowdy, basketball where they're chirping you, whatever. I mean, I like that. So I think that's probably contributed to the success out here. Um, but I don't know. I think that's just a guess. He obviously loves the golf course, but how about the vibe and saying that the amount of fans, the things you hear, the number of people, that it feels bigger than your week-to-week -week PGA Tour stop? Look, he's been consistent. You can call him countercultural to what we all understand golf to be, and this is not what we understand golf to be. It's, it's a really good one-off. It's enjoyable. But I can totally understand where he's coming from with this. His personality is he wants to be the man in the arena. He wants to be the center of attention. Most tour players are, but I think he carries it to a next level, and he just savors this opportunity, savors the majors. And we also saw it at the Ryder Cup. So there are opportunities where he can build off the crowd. He can use that energy to make him better. Where he doesn't get that, I feel like, on a week-in and week-out basis. Being around him as much as you are, do you sense that he feels he is bigger than golf? And I mean that when you see Larry Fitzgerald walking around here and Aaron Rodgers, you know, does he think he's of that ilk? Because in my conversations with him, he's picking the brains of the likes of Peyton Manning and enjoying his time beside an NBA MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think he feels like he's bigger than golfers. If okay. that makes sense. Yes. When you look at it in the context of just the way he carries himself. 
I mean, he got bigger, stronger, faster early in his career. He started winning major championships, and he walks around like he wants the world to know it. He's also not afraid to say it. Look, there's a, the unspoken things that most professional golfers will usually shy away from. He has no interest in that. He has, he's fine taking a deep dive and going head first. He was asked yesterday during his press conference about that jab. He took a yeah. pill about greed, and he just sort of dismissed even the question. It was, I said everything I needed to say. And in that context, no, I don't think he's bigger than the game, and I don't think he thinks he's bigger than the game. But when he walks out onto this golf course, he feels like he's bigger than everyone else. I love how you put it, bigger than the golfers. And I remember a conversation with his college coach, Trey Jones, mm -hmm. at FSU. You know, Brooks had made some long trip on the Challenge Tour, had come back to campus, you know, from Kazakhstan. And, and coach was like, hey, but, you know, take, take the morning off. You know, he was supposed to come hit the balls with the current team of the Seminoles. And Brooks was like, I'm fine. I mean, he does fancy himself a jock. He fancies himself strong. He fancies himself mentally tough. And I think he does want to, you know, jab the chest of whether it's Bryson, whether it's Phil, or whether it's Dustin Johnson, his one-time workout partner. We asked this question all along. Like, what, what comes first? The, the success on the golf course and the confidence or the confidence and success on the golf course? And I think it changes depending on the player. Some players are just born with it. He was born with excess amount of confidence. I saw it the first time I met him. He was still at Florida State. He was qualifying for the U.S. Open and sectional qualifying at the time. And someone introduced me to him. And at the time, I felt like he was a four-time major winner, even yeah. back then. And I just think he's carried that on forward. And he's just grown. Even during his struggles, even during all the injury issues he's had, he's never lost that Let's call it strut. Yeah, we well, had a great week one year ago here at the WM Phoenix Open. He's off to a great start on this Thursday morning as well. We mentioned that he was a co-leader. Let's show you how he got there. This is the 17th hole. Hole that was so good to him one year ago where he made that 32-yard pitch shot for Eagle. This is his second earlier today. I guess he likes this hole, Rex. Well, and the bailout on that hole is right. Guys are going to hit driver and get as far down as they possibly can. But as you can see, the green runs away. That's not an easy shot. So you can try to drive the green. That's where you're going to end up. You may as well have laid it up. All right, see if you can roll in the birdie putt. All right, played this hole in what, three under? The last couple of spins around the WM. Phoenix Open defending champ trying to go back to back tied with Emiliano Grillo. You see Xander Shoffley, who one year ago was a 54 hole coal leader alongside Jordan Speed. You see Gary Wilden also two under as well. So, as I mentioned, good scoring so far on this Thursday morning. Folks, it's a can't miss week in the world of sports. As you know, we get set for Super Bowl 56 on NBC Rams Bengals this Sunday. NBC's own Catherine Tappan joins with a preview after the break. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And by WM, who is always working for a sustainable tomorrow. Learn more at WM.com. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Back on Golf Today, the stars were out on Wednesday at TPC Scottsdale. Super Bowl 55 champ Aaron Rodgers, 11-time Pro Bowler Larry Fitzgerald, and Cowboys legend, three-time Super Bowl champ Emmett Smith as well. I mean, you want to talk about some legends from the gridiron. Absolutely love the game of golf. And speaking of the gridiron, the biggest Sunday night of them all. Super Bowl 56 live from SoFi Stadium in L.A. Aaron Donald. And the Rams take on Joe Burrow and the Bengals Sunday, 12 Eastern, 9 Pacific, only on NBC Peacock and Telemundo. And guess who else is there? Our own NBC sports host, NFL reporter Catherine Tappen, avid golfer as well. It's great to see you, Catherine. First of all, Phoenix, as you know, it's all about the vibe. What's the vibe like in Los Angeles yeah. right now? Well, hey, Damon and Rex, great to be with you guys. It looks awesome out there, and I, I look forward to seeing you guys next month. But um, so the vibe in Los Angeles, it's interesting because we've kind of been, you know, keeping our distance and trying not, you know, we're, we've been avoiding the restaurants and all the fun Super Bowl parties that everyone else gets to go to. Obviously, this is the biggest game on the planet. We want to make sure that we stay healthy for it. So my perception of what's going on in Los Angeles is really what I'm gathering from, you know, the local newscasts and the people that are in and about, the, the friends and family that I'm texting that are in the area um, and it's huge I mean this is the biggest game they've ever seen here in Los Angeles the fact that the home team is in the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium and this team has just been like the dream team ever since they acquired all the Hollywood superstars if you will of the NFL um, they've been on a roll so there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on this Rams team right now but there's also a lot of excitement you can imagine the who's who of Hollywood is coming to this game uh, the Super Bowl halftime show is generating a lot of buzz so just even the fact that I'm not really in and about Los Angeles very much. We're going to practices. We're coming back to our hotel for meetings. Um, you can get a sense that this is a humongous game for this city. It is so cool that this is your Super Bowl reporting debut. What's been the best part of the experience so far? Well, um, yeah, it's interesting because I've covered a lot of Super Bowls, but never on the sideline as part of the game broadcast. So this is really different in the sense that, you know, before I came, when we knew who the teams were about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I guess it was, you know, I'm sitting in my New York City apartment and every day it was like, like, well, what do I do? What do I do? What do I, and I had that nervous energy and I thought, okay, I can't have this for two weeks because I'm going to be exhausted by the time the actual game comes. But once we got here and we got into our normal game week, it sounds so cliche, you guys, but that is all this is. It's another game. So when you start checking off the boxes of what you do on a Monday and a Tuesday, we met with the Rams yesterday. We're heading to 
Bengals practice here shortly today. We'll get our notes together. I've got my depth chart already prepared. I mean, these are the things that I finally have started to relax and enjoy the process because I'm sure once I'm on that sideline on Sunday, it's going to be totally different and loud and the flyover and the energy and the excitement. But um, I feel much better now being here and being in the process of preparation than I did, I'd say, a week and a half ago. So it's um, it's been fun, and it's such an honor to be a part of this amazing broadcast team with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and Michelle Tafoya and Terry McCauley. I'm, I'm just so excited and so honored. Some fantastic storylines as well. The veteran Matt Stafford, the young Joe Burrow. From what you've gleaned so far, which team seems more confident, more prepared in your mind at this point heading into Sunday? Honestly, Damon, it's so crazy because both these teams have so many great storylines. And you look at the Bengals considered, I guess, the underdog as the way they got here. They don't have the flashy names the way the Rams do. But there is so much juju on both these teams. I mean, we've sat with the Rams yesterday. They're so relaxed. They're confident. I mean, Aaron Donald, we sat with him for probably 25 minutes. I think he can single-handedly win this Super Bowl. He is ready. And he's been there before and lost. So he has that added edge in wanting to get the job done. Matthew Stafford, obviously a very difficult career um, in the postseason and so long in Detroit and not having won a championship with his long career. So he's got that special added motivation as well. And then you look at the Bengals and it's the who day, right? Like, who is this team? Joe Burrow in his second season, the first year he was unfortunately you know, season ended with that awful knee injury, but he's back and leading this charge. And this entire city of Cincinnati has jumped on this. So it's, there are so many great storylines. I'm glad we have a, I don't know, six, seven hour pregame show to share them all with you. And then once the game happens, you know, I think it's going to come down to the defense for the, uh, the LA Rams and the offensive line for the Bengals. Um, a couple question marks on that O line for Cincinnati. We'll see if they can hold up against the Aaron Donalds and the Von Millers and the Jalen Ramseys of the group. Catherine, we are reporters. We root for the story, not the player. What's the best story in your mind out of this game? Oh, my gosh, Rex, that's a hard question. Um, I, I have to say, like, I, I think the cities of both of these teams and what they're all about, right? I think Cincinnati, it's just so awesome to see that they have waited so long for this team to be good. Um, they've attended the games, they've put up with the bad teams, they've stood by their side, they've come in, they don't have all these big names, but they've got some really great players. And I think Joe Burrow has an opportunity to really sketch his name in the likes of the Patrick Mahomeses. And, um, you know, he, he looks up to players like Tom Brady and Drew Brees. He talks about them all the time in our meetings with him, uh, the preparation that he learns from them. He tries to pick up different notes from them, which is really cool. Um, so I, I just think that the story of the Cincinnati Bengals team is 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 a great one it's one of the great stories you like to root for in sports and you know the rams came in they had a lot of flashy free agent signings and some big names but you know you look at this Bengals team and how they're able to do it knocking off you know the raiders then they knocked off tennessee the beast of the afc and then they get to the kansas city chiefs they've got to beat patrick mahomes in overtime and they do it uh it's just awesome it's a great story so i think i think the Bengals team as a whole is one to certainly cheer for Catherine, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell our viewers what a great golfer you are. You compete out at the American Century in Tahoe. We played together <laughs> as teammates at Rock Rimmon. I mean, you were stiffing Yay! it here. You hit it close. We ended up winning the golf tournament. You carried us on your back. What are you most looking forward to when you leave the Super oh Bowl gosh. and are done with the Olympics and begin the Florida Swing on NBC? 
yeah, it's quite a month. Uh, go right back from the Super Bowl, do the Olympics, and then two days later, I'm off to the Honda Classic to get to join all of you guys. Um, that was a fun day. I almost I almost had a hole in one there, Damon. That was fun. That was the one good shot I had that day. But <laughs> I'm just looking forward to being a part of this team. You know, I've gotten to know so many of you. I've worked with so many of you for so long, and I just admire the work you guys do and the game of golf. I've been playing since I was a kid. My family loves it. It's part of our, you know, our culture and our family. We go out and play as a, you know, on Father's Day weekend and my mom's a great golfer. So I'm just really looking forward to being a part of the, the golf family and, and enjoying the beautiful courses we're going to get to go to. I mean, the Open in Brooklyn, the U.S. Open, and then we get to go to St. Andrews. I mean, I'm jumping in at just the perfect time and I'm, I'm so excited. And of course, that, that Florida sun is going to help too, I think. So... <laughs> Yes. Um, I just can't wait to get on board with you guys and, you know, get through some growing pains, I'm sure, as I learn the drill and figure it all out. But, um, you know, I, I, I love journalism. I love reporting. I love telling stories. And I think I have a great opportunity to do it with this great golf group. We can't wait to have you. Enjoy your time in Los Angeles, my old hometown. Please give her a Yay. hug for me. Have a great <laughs> week. and We'll speak to you soon. I will. Thank you, guys. Have fun out there at the at Phoenix Open. All right, NBC's Catherine Tappen on this Thursday. So football going on and golf going on. This is the 17th hole. Jordan Speed's second shot, Rex Hoggard. This is a green that can reward and it can take away. That back left edge runs straight back into the water, which makes it so difficult if you are trying to drive that green. Yeah, can't wait. Next hour, we're going to really talk about this fantastic finish at TPC Scottsdale. This is Xander. That. that that's how you want to do it his second shot hits it tight go on and make birdie from there to get to 300 so this is Jordan for bogey just a little forward press ah oh. Jordan speed with a double bogey now over par plus one early going on this Thursday so three players tied at the top they all got trophies on their shelf at home, Xander Shoffley, Brooks Kepka, Emiliano Grillo, putting on the show so far, Rex. Do you think Jordan's caddy, Michael Greller, got an earful heading to the 18th tee? He might have, but even if it wasn't Greller's fault, I mean, you know, like, just talk. Speech just wants to unburden himself. That's right. Michael, can you believe this? Can you believe what just happened there? I'm fine with that. Anything to sort of lighten the load a little bit. Gotta have a short memory like an NFL cornerback uh, if we can bring it back to the Super Bowl. Folks, just getting started on this Thursday edition of Golf Today. When we return, it's time for a past champion chat with the 1987 Phoenix Open champ. You know who that is? They call him Zinger. He's coming up. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Back on Golf Today, this year WM celebrates its 13th year as title sponsor of the Phoenix Open. Since 2010, when WM became title sponsor, the tournament has raised nearly $100 million for local charities, including $3.8 million from the 2021 tournament. A lot of good deeds going on this week and through the years. And speaking of through the years, 1987. One man has a bunch of fond memories of this event. Our colleague Paul Azinger won the WM Phoenix Open in 87. First year was held here at TPC Scottsdale. Zinger shot a final round 67 to beat Hal Sutton by one shot. I know Hal a little bit. Hal couldn't have been happy. I think he missed a six-footer for par. Did shoot 64, but not enough to take down Paul Azinger. I tell you, it was his first PGA Tour win. Also, had a fantastic year in 87 winning three times so time now for a past champ chat we welcome in our colleague paul azinger lead golf analyst it's great to see you pal sitting in the golf cart about to play some golf you said back in 87 you were finally over the hump i'm not going to doubt myself anymore what was that road to belief like singer well i'll tell you what uh, i had a, a episode in 1986 that actually probably changed my career and uh, made me have, I had that monster in 1987 as a result. I probably couldn't break 82 days in a row in 1979 and then like seven or eight years later, player of the year. But there was a moment in 86 that changed me. I think my dad was having bypass surgery in Milwaukee and I had to miss the tour championship. And uh, it was a million dollar purse at the time. And somehow word got out that I was skipping that event to win a statistical category or something. And um, that year, the match play was in Tucson, Arizona. And it was several weeks after the tour championship. And I walked in the locker room and was accosted by a player in front of a bunch of other players about skipping that event to win a stat category, which is not what I did. And uh, I went up there for my, for my dad. But, you know, I read an analogy this morning about boiling water. And you put a potato in boiling water and the inside gets soft. You put an egg in boiling water and the inside gets hard. And I felt like I got dropped in a pot of boiling water in the locker room in 1986 that day. And I got hard and it hardened me. I missed some bunch of tournaments early in 86 because of my shoulder or in 87, excuse me. And then um, my first tournament was Phoenix and I was a different person, a different player. I'd gotten harder on the inside and maybe tougher. Um, so. You know, uh, that, that probably was a defining moment. I don't think you get a chip on your shoulder and, and play golf that way uh, because you want to. I think it was really a, a, a moment that got me hard, and I played golf with a chip on my shoulder for a long time. That probably ended when I got sick. You know, I was happy to be alive, but uh, that, that was a defining moment for me for that big win in 87. And I remember it was freezing cold that year. Uh, we had frost delays every morning. I was paired with Doug Toole, who was red hot, and Corey Pavin had won the week before at the Hope. And uh, Andy Bean put a note on my locker about enjoying the day and enjoy the walk. And, you know, it just all culminated in that one moment, my first tournament of the year, 
was my first win. Uh, but there was a big buildup to that moment where I became a, a strong enough person on the inside or a player on the inside where I allowed myself to win. And uh, it's usually some kind of an intangible that a good player will carry with him that'll take him right to the top. And that's what happened for me. It was a, just kind of a sublime moment for me. Talk about emerging from the heat, and you touched on what that day must have been like. But that was Hal Sutton behind you, and you're trying to win for the first time. I'm curious what your emotions or your nerves were like coming down the stretch. Well, I revered Hal Sutton. He won the amateur, and he was an incredible college player that we played against. And I thought Hal carried with him an aura similar to Jack Nicklaus. You know, when he stood on the putting green, you just saw something different in Hal Sutton. Very intimidating player, and um, I didn't really – you know, play him personally that day. I was playing against myself, and, um, you know, I was able to make this big putt on 16. That was the big difference. I hit it in that big pothole bunker short left of the green, and Doug Tool was a great encourager to me as I walked off that tee. He said to me three times, just get it up and down, just get it up and down, just get it up and down. I made about a 20-footer for par and then went on to win. Zinger, if I recall, back in 87, you found out on 18T that you got a one-shot lead. You said you hit the best drive of your life, but when you handed the club back to your caddy that your hands were shaking. What do you remember? Well, you could not carry the water on the left, and it's a long walk from 17 green to get to 18T, and I, my caddy had Billy Poor beat me to the tee, and all I was thinking about was, you know, am I going to hit an iron or what am I going to do? And when I got to the tee, Billy had his arms around every single club but the driver and the head of the, the head cover. <laughs> and I laughed. It actually it actually made me laugh. And I just said, I guess you want me to hit driver, Billy. And he just said in his Philly accent, ah, zinger, it's the perfect club. And I banged it right down the middle and still had to hit seven iron in there. Two putts later, it happened. And, uh, yeah, it was good. Now, I know the atmosphere is different now here than it was back in 1987, but you were part of this party that's going on. Did you enjoy it, and is this something that you'd like to see maybe more in golf? Yeah, I like it. Uh, the first year that I played out there uh, was in 1982 at the old golf course, and I won the first year that they went out here to play, and there was nothing out there. It was a 45-minute drive to get to a decent hotel. Um, there were still 108,000 people there on Saturday in 1987, believe it or not. So it's been a massive event. It's uh, really the most fun tournament by a wide margin on the PGA Tour, uh, for all, really because of the Thunderbirds and what they've done and the fact that they've donated that kind of money that you mentioned earlier uh, to charity blows my mind. I love the Thunderbirds. They really uh, extend themselves, and they, they think about others in their efforts to put on a great event. And they've done that. They embraced the chaos at 16 when it was it was chaos in 87 when we were there. Um, but they've created this incredible atmosphere now. And what an environment when you step into the environment of the Phoenix Open. It's like no other event on tour. Well, Zinger, we appreciate traveling back uh, down memory lane. I know you're about to play 36 or 54 holes today. I know you haven't decided which one yet, but enjoy the day and we'll speak to you soon. You got it. Thanks, man. We are moving in a groove into the steady beat of golf shots. The WM Phoenix Open day one in full swing with a bevy of stars on the golf course. Highlights are coming your way. And Hunter Mahan, come on down to the next contestant on Past Champ Chats as we relive his win back in 2010 over Ricky Fowler.
And the closing stretch at TPC Scottsdale. How does it rate among other golf courses? Loud, yes. Volatile, sure. But is it great? Lather up that sunscreen. It's getting hot. Golf today. And a live look at TPC Scottsdale. The 16th hole on a Thursday. You know what that means? It means mayhem, noise, lusty roars, throaty boos, yeah. and the other kind of boos as well. There's only one WM Phoenix Open, and as mentioned, the stars are on the golf course, and they are making some noise early on a Thursday. Xander Shoffley, co-leader through 54 holes one year ago, tied with the defending champ, Brooks Kepka, who has two wins at this great event. Emiliano Grillo also at three under. Louis Oosthuizen making his 2022 debut in fine form so far. And welcome back to our perch above the par 3 16th hole. The battle has been joined. Jaime Diaz is here alongside Rex Hoggard as well. So we've been here for the last few days, but now we got some bodies. Now we got some action. You've covered a lot of golf in your day. This is something different. It's something different. You know, I haven't sat here for this long and to hear booze is really jarring. You know? <laughs> and I was thinking if you like did a time capsule and uh, you know, a time machine and brought in Tommy Bolt or Lefty Stackhouse or some of these really thin skinned guys, there'd be a ruckus, you know, <laughs> There'd be some feedback from the players that would not be pretty. But yeah. I think everybody's inured to it and realizes that's part of the, the challenge here is just staying in your bubble even and having fun with it. But then when it goes bad, don't let it get to you. What's your biggest takeaway so far? So far, this is a on a scale of 1 to 10 of where we're going. If you keep it in mind, this is probably, what, 3, 4? So you get an idea of where we're going to end up come Saturday and Sunday. I was taken uh, just a couple nights ago. I was watching the highlight of Tiger making the hole-in-one here, and none of this was here. Yeah. And we all know what that celebration was like. Can you imagine mm. in this context what it would be? Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks to 1997, we have this yes. in 2020. Yes. The House of Tiger built. It really is. He's got a lot of houses built. One of many. Yeah. On the PGA yeah. Tour. So we mentioned a lot during this week, the closing stretch of golf here, in particular 15, 16, 17, 18. Very, very volatile. So we're going to take a look at these holes, particularly the par 4 15th hole. It's been kind of a, a, a star, a mini star, we're called this par 5. Back in 2010, we had Ricky Fowler controversially lay up on this hole. This is Xander Shoffley earlier chipping in for Eagle. So, so Jaime, that's what people want to see, I imagine, is some movement uh, yes. in the last part of the golf tournament. That's a risky golf hole. Okay. You know, you've got to drive it pretty well. There's water left. There's, you've got to fit it in between the dune. But if you do, it's a great opportunity for Eagle because it can be as little as a, a middle iron. And we see a lot of birdies there, obviously. We, we have seen some tournaments lost there as well. So that's something you want to see down the stretch of, of I think, uh, competitive golf uh, PGA Tour events. Yeah, Brooks is second. He would two-putt for birdie from there. And you see how it played a year ago. The Eagles, 10 of them. Birdies, 179. Rex, so the players know going in, and Brooks Koepka was one of those last year that you can make a move and kind of come out of nowhere. He was five back going into the final 18 holes. And you have to add that to the degree of difficulty. That, okay, you're going to play this stretch, but you have to play it under par. To your point, Brooks played that stretch and three under par last year to get himself that victory. But not only are you trying to make birdies, but you're trying to do it, I don't know, conservatively in front of 30, 35,000 screaming, boisterous fans. Yeah. That's what makes it so difficult. All right. If uh, 15 is best supporting 
actor, Louis Gossett Jr. This is the part 316. This is the bell of the ball, the star of the show. This is Matthew Neesmith at the part 316th earlier. And already people starting to file in. He was the first one off today, Rex. Uh, I almost spilled my coffee. <laughs> I had just walked in. And wait, we look at this stretch. This is actually the hardest putting hole. It was eighth last year on mm. the board. And Jordan Spieth, Jaime, gave the fans a little something to cheer about early. Oh, I'm sure the adrenaline goes. And, and these guys, they're, they're hams. You know, they want to show off. This is a perfect show off hole. It's not the hardest hole. It's just the situation is hard. Yeah. And, and the great players, I think, generally invite it. And no aces, I guess, since 2015. Francesco Molinari, none last year. 267 parts. The people don't want to see pars. They don't want to see that 3.000. They want to see 2.something-something. What was the number uh, Teddy Ball game gave us? 0.5 for hole in one? Yes, and I yeah. think we, we both took the over, if I'm not mistaken. I keep talking about how easy the game is at the highest level, so <laughs> I think we will see an ace before the week is over. We move on to the par for 17, 330-ish and change. This is Kepka. The hole was so good to him one year ago. This is earlier today, his second from the crowd. And Rex, I guess he's still likes the golf hole still likes the golf hole I ended up talking with a bunch of players about this yesterday and Jaime had changed my mind earlier in the week when he compared this to tenant Riv. they changed my mind back the players actually like tenant Riv. well it's safer there's not that big number out there if you make if you hit in the water this is a scarier hole it's a better hole hole you know shot after shot the tee shot requires more than the shot at Riv. there's no luck around the green as much as there is at Riv. I mean, Riff's beautiful, it's aesthetic, it's George Thomas, it's Riviera, it's L.A., it's everything. This is a better hole. As we take a look at the stats from 2021, you see the Eagles, you see the big numbers as well at this reachable par for 17th. Uh, Tom Weisskopf and, and Jay Morse, I feel like they deserve a little more credit. I mean, mm. there's so much talk about the party that I think we forget how good this golf course is, how volatile the finish is, how interesting the holes are, especially at the closing stretch. No, absolutely. I think part of the enthusiasm is getting to see these shots. Okay. You know, yeah, obviously it's a party, but the people enjoy it because it's really an interesting golf course, and this is the most interesting hole, the 17th. And I think it's only gotten better since the redesign. I think players will tell you that the, it requires a lot of shots. The 16th is probably not one of those holes, but you can start counting your way down as soon as you make the turn. As I pointed out, back nine plays a shade easier historically than the front nine, but there are a lot of interesting shots, and I think the players appreciate that. Some of the holes, um, closing stretches of the PJ Tour, they got names. <laughs> you got snake pits and green miles. bear traps, green miles, green miles, gauntlets. How does this compare? Gosh, uh, it's not quite. I think Pete Dye is the king okay. of the finishing holes because he always likes a par three, par four, par five, not in that order necessarily, a mix of that. And they're always scary and they're always dramatic. And they, you know, think of Whistling Straits. I mean, that thing mm. is just, you know, epic. Uh, this is up there. And I think because of the fans, that brings it, gives it its own element, its own identity. Uh, 18 has been toughened, mm. you know, and so they have made the course, you know, more responsive to the modern game. But it's up there, you know, in the top 10, I would say, of the finishing holes. When you compare it to that stretch, let's say TPC Sawgrass, the Green Mile, the one you talked about, the Copperhead, yep. which we're going to be at in a couple of weeks, I, I don't think it's a fair comparison. I feel like this is in sort of a category of its own, simply because of the atmosphere that it brings. You have to combine the two, because I don't think guys look at this closing stretch thinking, I just have to hold on. No, you've got to go out go and make a couple birdies if you're going to win. We looked at what Brooks did last year. Just go back to what Ricky Fowler did in 2019. He had to play that stretch in two under par. So you have to perform. It's all those eyeballs that I think it, add it, the element. It's more show business. You know, yeah. it, it's like entertainment. It's going to be some birdies and some eagles. And there'll be a couple of disasters, but not many. It's going to be mostly, it's a shootout. Ricky Fowler has lived a lifetime at this golf course 
on its own. He, this stretch has been good to him. It's also cost him the 17th hole, the reachable drivel that went into the water, falls into the playoff, loses, his grandfather is in attendance, Ricky's in tears, and then a few years later he gets redemption and wins in 2019. Yeah, Ricky, you know, this is a place where it meant so much to him to yeah. have his grandfather there. And he's got a great game for this because he can get explosive. We saw how he finished when he won the players. You know, just birdie in 17, that really scary hole. And he's had that history here to some extent, but it got him on 15 when he was, uh, you know, a young player, and it got him on 17 with some bad luck when it rolled through into the water. So it's it's been a star-crossed place here but he's always seen to play well here and I think this week uh, bodes well for him because he's due to do something we purposely broke the par for 18th off mm -hmm. on its own this is a hole that has been changed through the years uh, the work the redesign in 2014 in advance of the 2015 WM Phoenix Open you see those kind of ode to Oakmont Church mm -hmm. Pew bunkers some 300 and what 60 yard carry Rex when you look at and I kind of did some research this morning so when Tom Weiskopf did this he was playing in a media day here and this was 2015 right before the tournament he pointed out he did not touch 15 16 and 17 18 in these church pew bunkers but what he really wanted to focus on and the quote he gave at the time you don't need power because just what is it seven years ago now in his mind 360 yards was plenty we don't have that anymore this hole has been changed by the game i don't want to fire him off and get him talking about golf balls and rolling back golf balls again <laughs> but last year in the final round grayson murray 366 yards took him out of play didn't look at him was just going to bomb him by brooks 359 yards pretty much took him out of play his was in the fairway but he just doesn't look at him and i'm i'm amazed mm. how quickly the game has changed that just seven years ago tom was confident oh you don't need power now power well sure i mean this was a 310 yard carry when tom played it and he made it a 345 350 carry and it's still possible to do it needed to be done, though, because like J.B. Holmes in 2006 and 2008, especially 2008, he'd be filling a playoff. He had a 360 little flip wedge, and it was like, wow, we're seeing, you know, we'd already seen the modern game, but J.B., one of the longest, maybe the longest at that time, just really brought it home that, gosh, these guys are outgrowing these golf courses. So you got to do something in the hitting area that was never intended, and, and I think Tom tried to do it and get ahead of the game. Jack Nicklaus has, has lengthened Memorial over and over, and they keep driving it yeah. past where he puts the bunkers can't keep so, up with the technology well, it's technology the whatever it is, the athletics players. everything it's uh, those guys you give them a, a you know it's just like the long drive guys you give them a target and they will exceed it after time it's just it's like track and field records are made to be broken drives are meant meant, meant to be hit farther yeah jb holmes introduced himself to the golf fan when he won here for the first time tiger woods and you mentioned 1999 i mean he's playing rocco mediate this whole he kind of made it into to mince me i mean look at this this is Full send, Jaime. Yeah, now today that'd be an average drive, but then it was off the charts. And, you know, Tiger loved that stuff. He loved, you know, moving the game forward in real time. Basically, you're going, that's the future right there. And that is the present right here as well. The whole play, the easiest it's ever played one year ago. Well, and you could say to a certain degree what Tom Weiskopf did back in 2014 was a version of Tiger proofing simply because he started it in 1999 and he was a vision of what the game was going to become if you could yeah. extrapolate that out okay players are only going to get bigger stronger faster they're only going to go after that target mm -hmm. that you just mentioned I just think the target's going to keep moving sure. in this particular hole however in this setting we're talking about the atmosphere I don't know if it's a bad thing mm -hmm. I mean if, it, if Grayson Murray hitting a 366 yard drive those folks enjoy. I always say more power to the, to the to the athletes. Let them get it as far as they can go, and then let the game, the the the, the rulers of the game, you know, 
legislate. But are the architects getting to a point where their hands are, are yes, tied? Yes. And they just can't keep up with what they need more real estate. There's just no way unless you just start bringing everything in in a bunch of bunkers. And I don't know if everybody wants to see that either. One of the beauties of Tom Weisskopf, I believe, is that during the redesign, I think this golf course is still challenging enough for the best in the world, but playable enough the other 51 weeks of the year. This is a public course in Scottsdale. It's a party this week, mm -hmm. but the you know, Joe and Jane six-pack, the 18 handicaps, they want to be able to play here as well. And you don't want to make a course so tough that the, the Joe and Jane can't play. I think it strikes a beautiful balance. Okay. I think it is a course that everybody can play. And everybody, you know, it's tough. I mean, everybody wants to go to Whistling Straits, too. You know, tougher golf courses are also popular. But this is more, you know, kind of every man's course. It's, and St. Andrews is not that tough, unless it's really. I good. love St. Andrews. I want to go to Whistling Straits to play, this to, is to cover it. I don't want to go to Whistling Straits to play it. That's too much <laughs> golf course for me. Now, when this conversation got started in Kapalua, when everyone started to say, oh, the game is too easy. I, I remember you and Shane just a year ago, weeks I was ago. saying it. I was w watching you and Shane just a couple weeks ago, and I was kind of surprised where you guys were taking this conversation. I'm on the other side. Yeah, okay. I, I want to see birdies. I want to see everyone yeah. having fun. I want to see tough birdies. I, yeah. I want birdies to be rewarded. I don't want to see these guys hit nine irons and wedges into par four. I don't think the game is too easy. I think the clubs they're hitting in are too short. That's my basic thing. Okay. I mean, it's still you can make those shots really well, I'm hard. Saying it's, I, think it's a, I think we're saying the same thing. In a, in a way, we are saying the yeah. same because you get them a wedge in their hand, no matter where you put the pin, they're going to make some birdies. But still, you could make it extremely challenging even with short shots. But I just want to see a variety of more clubs being hit into the par fours. Yeah. That's my primary thing. And I, I think it that that real estate has run out in terms of guys hitting four and five irons anymore into par fours. Just trying to wind them up. Oh ah, you, I know, That's we all we're trying to do. We try to keep it Eventually, we would get you got there. me there. I didn't say the word. I didn't say <laughs> 34 the word. 34 under. Three yeah. under, not not every week. Want to see these players have to hustle just a little bit. Jordan Spieth, by the way, always hustling. He's on the golf course. We showed you that double bogey on the 17th. So he's now made the turn, the par four, first hole. Well, Rex, let's see what he's got here. I think the iron play for Jordan has made so much improvement really over the last two years. Him and McCormick stuck with what they were working on. I think he's in a more comfortable spot now. We've talked a lot about it. But even the double bogey, I think this is going to be one of those weeks where you see him just build more momentum. Yeah, not that 61 here on a Saturday one year ago. Was co-leader through 54 holes with this man, Xander Shoffling. Decent chip goes on to make that par putt from about three feet, able to stay at minus three. Now this is Jordan, some call him Jordo, some call him the golden child for birdie. Well, gonna stay at plus one. One of the featured groups he calls a key group, someone that you want to pay attention to. Victor Hovland has missed the cut in his only start here in 2020 and, and on the wrong side so far. T46, two over. Spieth is one over. And there you see T1, Xander Shoffley. Strong week last year and a strong start so far at the WM Phoenix Open. All right, folks, got another past champ chat on the way with the WM Phoenix Open winner. That's Hunter Mayhan. He's a six-time winner. Going to relive his victory in 2010 in the desert when Golf Today returns. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And by WM who is always working for a sustainable tomorrow. Learn more at WM.com. Back on golf today, we're here at the Rockus 16th hole, par three at the WM Phoenix Open. A few changes 
around the course here and there. Stadium Hall, Golf Channel's Will Lowry spoke with WM President and CEO Jim Fish about the fresh look at this year's event. Jim, things look a bit different this year. Got the new WM logo. And where did Waste Management go? Well, last year at this actual event, we changed the name from Waste Management Phoenix Open to the WM Phoenix Open. And the natural progression then is to change the name of the company because we're so much more than what we were 50 years ago when the company was founded. We're now about sustainability, whether it's helping our customers to, to uh, build their own sustainability initiatives, whether it's investments in renewable natural gas or, or technology at our, at our recycle plants. We've really become synonymous with sustainability. And, and so now it makes sense for us to, to, to uh, rename the company. You gotta have a brand, by the way, that can uh, sustain that, to use the word sustainable, but uh, this golf tournament helps us with the brand. 13 years now as the title sponsor, 10 years as zero waste. And that's, that's a big deal. So we're, we're really becoming synonymous with sustainability, hence the, the, the name change to WM. We're excited what the next 50. We've been 50 years uh, incorporated as waste management. The next 50 is WM. We're excited about it. A little different name, same energy. Back in 2010, though, two Oklahoma State. Cowboys battle it down the stretch at TPC Scottsdale. 27-year-old Hunter Mahan defeated a PGA Tour rookie Ricky Fowler by one shot for second of six PGA Tour wins. Let's take a look at the leaderboard. You got to think that uh, Mike McGraw had been proud of this leaderboard. Got Y.E. Yang in the mix. Charles Howe third, another Oklahoma State guy. I didn't even see his name. Of course, should have known he was there. 300 starts ago, maybe? You want to cut it in half? It's pretty cool. Three of the top four names. So let's see how Hunter has performed here traditionally. 10 of 14 cuts made. Got the victory, three top tens. These guys have their happy places in the game. He's from California, kind of a neighboring state of Arizona, some might say. I was thinking if players like this atmosphere or not, looking at those results, my guess is Hunter loved this atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it's time for? A past champ chat from Zinger to Hunter. Hunter, it's great to spend some time with you fresh off a workout, I know, in Dallas. First of all, let's go back to 2010. What do you remember specifically when someone mentions this tournament and your win? What stands out? Um, you know, I remember burning the 16th hole and kind of hearing the uh, the fans and the and the kind of the the, the ruckus that it created. Um, I knew I was in control of the events, uh, but I knew a lot can happen, and that's one of the best things about the WM Phoenix Open is that so much can happen on that golf course, and especially in the last four or five holes. Going back to 16, I took a deep dive this morning, and our colleague, your caddy at the time, John Wood, you two actually had an interesting conversation on that tee. I think the debate was between an eight iron and a nine iron. You followed his lead. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting shot because you want to feel like in the pressure situation that you can feel like you can just hit something and you can be as most uh, find yourself to be in a comfortable position. And on a golf course like that, you have to be aggressive. You can't be playing safe. You got to be thinking about making birdies. And so 
found a good club. I hit a really good shot, tugged it just slightly, but I left myself a pretty simple putt and I was able to pour it in and, and we were able to control it from there. Birdies are good. Eagles are even better. Par 5, 13th hole, 250 and change. He hit it to seven feet and make the putt. That's what you guys do at the height of your power. What do you remember about that moment? Yeah, I think it was a, a, a tucked pin kind of on the right side. Um, I hit it and it it was one of those shots where it just felt so pure and so perfect that we were just kind of didn't say anything. We just kind of let the ball do the magic and we just wanted to let the fans kind of tell us how good it was. And it got out there um, obviously pretty close and we were able to knock it in. And I think from that point you felt like, okay, you're sort of in the driver's seat a little bit and you have an opportunity. I think I buried the next hole um, to kind of keep that momentum um, and obviously was able to get it done uh, with a nice par putt on 18. Started the day four strokes back. I read this morning that I think you cracked your driver on the second hole. You realized it and you had to go get a backup. What were your emotions like early in the round when you have so much going on in that situation? Yeah, well, I knew that on that golf course, in that situation, really anything could happen. You know, I felt like I played a really good round on Saturday and I was in a, a decent position to go into Sunday. And if I post something, uh, we might have we might have a chance. And, and on that golf course, there's a lot of opportunities for birdies and eagles. Uh, my driver broke, but um, I had to, I had a backup just in my car. So my wife, uh, well, my uh, wife ran over and grabbed it, ran over. We got it on the third tee and, and uh, we had the utmost confidence in it. It was a king driver. I can't remember which one it was in quite a while, but um, um, he had a good tee shot and we were completely comfortable with it after that. And uh, um, we knew we had a good one. We just had to keep um, swinging and being aggressive. Six PGA Tour wins, four President's Cups, three Ryder Cups, but some struggles over the last few years. You know, where is Hunter Mahan at the age of 39? You know, what's on your mind? What's cooking? Um, very happy just being home and being a, a husband and father right now. I, I just, um, I know where I kind of want to be right now. It's just be at home and, and hang out. You know, I was talking to somebody last night and then, and uh, I've been grinding for, feel like since I was about 12 years old playing golf and, and um, my mind and body kind of just needs a break. And, and uh, I've got four kids to look after. I got a wife to spend the rest of my life with. And uh, that's really what my thoughts are right now. I heard that. I'm missing basketball practices with my three boys tomorrow night, but I'll be there for the game on Saturday. I thought they might be watching. I think they're at school right now. All right, we have some questions for you, 2010 champ. I want to take you back. Let's call this the Quiz the Champ segment. You were T6 through 54 holes 12 years ago. Do you remember who was the 54-hole leader? Uh... Gosh, I don't know. It might have been, uh, might have been Ricky. I'm not sure. That's gonna be no. Brant Snedeker. Oh well. Yeah. Uh -oh. Sneds. Yeah. All right. It's okay. 0 for one. That's all right, Rex. That, now he remembers. Now yeah. it comes back. All right. What's the best ranking you ever achieved in the world ranking? Oh, that was fourth after I, I beat uh, Rory in the match play. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. You win that. Uh, bonus question. When did that happen? Um, well, I can see it. It's April 12th, I guess. <laughs> April 2012. <laughs> the graphics right there. He gave it away. You yeah, were. good education at OSU. All right, I got one for you. So this is like an NBA question. What former NBA champ, I'll give you the team, San Antonio Spurs actually shares a birthday with you. You know who that is? 
Oh, oh, um, oh gosh, I have no idea. I guess I'll go. You want a hit? Duncan, can it? I'll, I'll give you a hit. hit. Oh, wee wee, wee oui, wee. Oh gosh, Tony Parker. <laughs> there we go, Tony. <laughs> Tony's from France. Hunter's on the ball. Hey, buddy, it's great spending a few minutes with you. Enjoy the rest of your workout. We hope to talk to you again soon and enjoy the family time, most importantly. Guys, thank you. Have a good one. All right, another son of Southern California now living in Texas. Speaking of Texas, Jordan Spieth, second shot at the third, trying to get back on the ball, the par five. We talked about this, I think, early in the week. The most captivating player to watch in the game. I made the argument it was Bryson DeChambeau. But you can make a really good argument that it's Jordan Spieth. It's because he double bogeys and he has shots like this. We have an opportunity for an eagle. That's exactly what he would do. Actually, two putt for birdie. But you're right. I think he is the most compelling watch. I got Tiger. I got Spieth. And I got Sergio as well, an emotional player. I think Xander a little more steady. He would actually two putt for birdie as well. All three balls ending up in the same spot. And I tell you what, guys. I, one thing I like to say, birdies available. Birdies are available on this Thursday. Four under, setting the pace. Shoffley, Olympic gold medalist. Brooks Koepka, four-time major champ, two-time champ here. And Gary Woodland, major champ and the 2018 champ. And speaking of champs, two-time champ here, back-to-back, -back, 16 and 17. Hideki Matsuyama getting ready for his afternoon tea time. Just keeps on winning, Masters Zozo Sony. You think he likes the spotlight? I tell you what, he doesn't shy away from it. He handles it maybe in a different way, quieter, answers every question, gets peppered from radio folks, TV folks, newspaper folks, bloggers, and answers every question. The entourage that was with Tiger Woods throughout the majority of his career is about half the size that follows Hideki. It's amazing to watch Closest how he handles pressure, that. pressure, more eyeballs yeah. than anybody. Tiger and Hideki golf today, back after this. Back on golf today, reigning PGA Tour Player of the Year, UCLA Bruin Patrick Cantlay on the range. T4 last week at Pebble, making his first appearance at the WMPO. Might be surprising for someone who grew up in California. Not surprising how well he is playing as a professional, considering his pedigree. Number one ranked amateur for such a long time. Four wins in the super season. And someone, Jaime, who I've noticed people in the media are coming to now to talk about bigger questions in the game, and he's handling those as well as he handles a 20-foot putt. He's not necessarily somebody who's voluble, but when you ask him a pointed question, he seems to, you know, rise to the occasion, likes to kind of put it together and solve the problem. And he, he's done some, uh, I think, really nice uh, presentations almost on certain ideas in the game, especially the modern game and how it's played and, and what the players think about and all these things that, you know, make us understand the game better. He's a good, uh, uh, I guess you'd call him, uh, uh, a guy who who is uh, a teacher in a way. Mm. Yeah, a teacher is a good way. Yeah. I, I think at East Lake he sort of came out of his shell in the way he addressed the question about the player impact program, and he immediately put it on the context of what Bryson was going through with the fans on social media, and he made a very good argument that in a certain kind of subtle kind of way, the PGA Tour asked. 
for this because what we're doing is we're getting players to be more engaged on social media and we all know that's not a very friendly place it's not a place you want to spend too much time if you're let's say a fragile spirit and you, you don't yeah. know exactly how to take criticism i thought it was a very well put argument just a couple weeks ago at the american express the conversation that we were just having this morning about is golf too easy because of the scoring on the pga tour i, I asked him and he immediately turned it back on me do you find the game too easy and he said if you're a 12 handicap some days you feel like you're an eight handicap and it's the exact same thing for them his point was they have good weeks and they also have bad weeks they never feel like it's easy also seemed a little uncomfortable with the the amount of money that was being talked about i mean he was like you know hey, like, like, we're, like we're doing okay here he he seems to have a lot of perspective and this is someone who lost a very close friend in a car accident he's had tremendous back issues setbacks he does have a very wide perspective that goes well outside the ropes and i think we talk about the pip you're talking about okay what are we getting rewarded for out here are we getting rewarded for our performance or are we getting rewarded for our profile and our image and i think it's a slippery slope in some players mind to to reward the the, the latter yeah. it's not not that it shouldn't be rewarded but to actually have like a scoreboard for it that's a little bit, uh, I think, something that makes some guys, old school guys, and he's a young guy with an old head, I think, yeah. uneasy. Yeah. Patrick Kelly coming in off five straight top tens, dating back to his win at the BMW. Now, the guy who was dueling with Patrick Kelly for player of the year last year, of course, the U.S. Open champ, John Rahm, went to Arizona State. You see the tee time, 2.24 p.m. Eastern, alongside Hayden Buckley, who replaced Webb Simpson, who had the WD, and, of course, Ricky Fowler, 2019 champ here in Phoenix his last victory on the PGA Tour you take a look at John Rahm just continues to get victory and if not victory it's a top 10 very rare to see him not find himself on the weekend and it's interesting guys Wednesday during his presser he was asked if he derives any satisfaction from top 10 finishes or if at this point in his career if he doesn't win or challenge for the title is it a disappointment it would be a very sad golfer's life if any time I finish in the top 10, it's a disappointment. Uh, we're, we're in a sport, unfortunately, where the winning is playing in history, well, what, 30% of the time? So we lose most of the time. And you can't take every week you don't win as a disappointment. Um, if I'm finishing the top 10, I can't say it's a bad week. It all depends how it happens, but there's always something you can call an achievement on a week where you finish out there. Plus, I do make it a point to be consistent. I've mentioned that before. Uh, if I don't win, I want to finish as high as possible. It matters to me. Fifth is better than sixth, definitely. Obviously, I want to finish higher, but and 34th is better than 35th, right? So that's probably why my top 10 percentage is highest, because I'm never going to give up no matter what point I am in my on the round or on the tournament. It's, uh, I'm a competitor, right? So I'm going to try my hardest in every shot. And again, if I can finish one higher, it makes a difference to me. Gotta love that perspective. The best player in the world says he's going to fight and grind for every single shot, but that top tens aren't a disappointment. Anything surprise you in those comments? Not really. I think he's having it both ways in an intelligent way. I mean, I think, first of all, consistency is a way of sustaining excellence. And if you sustain excellence, you're giving yourself the best chance to win down the road. So by not, you know, letting up when he doesn't have his game, he's hardening himself mentally for the big moments. And I think also you don't quit 
you just don't quit because that's a bad habit. That's that creates a weak mind. Tiger Woods, you know, always talked about second place sucks and everything else. But the bigger thing was never quit. Mm. And we saw that last year at the, at the Masters 2020 when he makes 10 on the 12th hole and comes back and birdies five of the last six holes. He was out of the tournament, but that was a pride thing. And that was, a, you know, an exercise in will. And I think this is what consistency is about. It's an exercise in continually staying on top of it, making every next shot the most important thing you're doing. And that's how you become a great player. Maybe it doesn't always translate into wins, but eventually when the big moment comes, you'll be more ready than you would have been had you been quitting. We have spent the last year, if not longer, talking about mental health specifically in golf, mental health and sports. I find this healthy. I find it refreshing simply because he said, I guess, the quiet thing out loud in this particular concept. And I can see where he's coming from. And look, we all know not all top tens are created equal. Absolutely. Sometimes you can get a backdoor top ten. Mm -hmm. That feels pretty good after what you probably consider not a great week. And sometimes coming down the stretch, and we had this conversation this morning. Was Jordan Spieth happy with where he finished last week? Probably not. I mean, I think there's something to be said for you. I'm sure he felt like he executed and just got beat. But no, I'm sure he didn't walk away from that golf course being happy with himself. As it applies to John, the man burns. I don't think we can ever question the fire, yeah. the desire that's that deep down inside. But we sit in this house that Tiger Woods built, and, and we're coming off of an era of his dominance. And I think in some ways, aren't we starving for someone to view the game and play the game the way that he did height of his power? They want to hear that second place sucks. And, and maybe we're you know, spoiled by the fact that he was just so great and made winning four major championships and winning majors by 15 and 12 and eight. And, and these guys, as great as they are, they aren't him. They're not him. But I think part of the presumption right now is there's so much parity that you can't separate yourself. All of us are playing better. That's John's kind of argument. Right. And so, you know, the game, we're much better than previous eras. We're just hard to separate from each other. I'm not so sure about that. I, I would think? disagree with okay. it because I heard the same argument in the 90s and the 80s. And then Tiger Woods came around the most dominant player ever in terms of in relation to his peers, in terms of being better than his peers. Uh, and I think that's still possible. It can happen. We just saw a 14 year old kid in, in Thailand who's playing in Saudi and, you know, he's doing all kinds of extraordinary things. We don't know if that's the next Tiger Woods. I think there will be a breakout person eventually. And you can never say, oh, it's over. Everybody's just too close together now. I, and I agree with what you're mm -hmm. saying. I just have found throughout the entirety of my career that any comparisons to Tiger Woods are just foolish. And I don't yeah. care if it's as a prodigy. Well, and I certainly don't care if it's as it. a world I mean, number Jack one. Jack Nicklaus was kind of there. And, you know, and Harry Varden was there. Sure. Yeah. And it's happened. But think what happened in the wake of Jack. It was Hal Sutton is the next. And Gary Nicklaus well, it doesn't happen very next. much. You know, you yeah. got to wait. It's a generational thing. Maybe it's a hundred-year thing. But I think there will be another Tiger Woods. Do you think that the players, with everything going on, with the financial riches that they have, that it's just this era, you're not going to have the, the Lanny Watkins, Hale Irwin, yeah. Hal Sutton energy where, you know, they'd step on your neck to get to the trophy. I think some guys are just wired as champions and the, the money's there. And of course, life is a lot easier and a lot better now in terms of all the riches. But in the end, Tiger Woods, for example, I'm loyal to the PGA Tour. Why? Because the PGA Tour gave him this platform to make history. Yeah. And in the end, it's about making history and trophies. Nick Faldo, a guy who I think is a great commentator because he brings that perspective of I love this game and I wanted to do something extraordinary. And champions, a very small percentage of 
the players, but there's about 10% of them who I think th think this way, and they're the guys who end up separating themselves. Mm -hmm. and they're the ones we remember the most, and I don't think that's going to go away. I always found one of the most impressive things about Tiger Woods' career is that after he had the success and earned the millions, he just kept trying to get better, and he just kept winning. I think that's probably the hardest thing. To your point, yes, there's untold riches out there, but I can see a guy like Patrick Cantlay, who yeah. we just pointed out, he doesn't seem to be phased by the money. As a matter of fact, it probably makes him seems like feel a little bit dirty. I could see him yeah. continuing the process, but that's a hard thing to do. He's and old the, school. And the irony is that John is sort of presenting the parody argument, but I think he's wired to be a champion. I think so too. And, and maybe right now he's just you know that came in the in the uh, shadow of that of the Sony, and he, I think he was of not the, excuse me the Sony the, cent, the Century TOC. He just shot 3,300 and lost to a guy who shot 3,400. <laughs> right. And I think he was just trying to process a lot of it. I, I think but, he's thoughtful. I think it has to yeah, do with yeah. his big picture yeah. kind of thoughtful nature but I think he is one of those players and a subset of players that does hate losing as much as he loves me Tom Watson oh, yeah. famously said you have to hate losing more than you love more winning. than you love winning yeah. and, and I think that's harder when you can live a very very comfortable life you know logging top 25 finishes logging top 70 finishes yeah but those guys who have been at the top they've always relatively speaking lived a pretty good life I mean okay they look at it now and go man I missed the Tiger Woods era but they were they were well off and doing pretty well and so I still think it's about that sense of fulfillment that comes from being the best. Yeah. If you can get there, that is really what, in the end, you look back on and go, I did something special in my life. And I think there are a pretty good percentage of guys who play for that. Yeah, John Rahm, no question about the fire in his belly as he gets warm for his round number one here, just down the road from where he went to college, famously wore that ASU jersey 2015 on the way to his best finish in this event. That was a tie for fifth, looking to win the WM Phoenix Open for the very, very first time. Tea time, 2.24 p.m., six starts here, has never missed the cut.